approaching the middle of the year, the first day of July coming up tomorrow, Saturday, 4th of July holiday, and Bob Urban joins me. This is How's the Bite. Bob Urban is the owner of Murray Outdoors under the Big Walleye on the south end of Guttenberg, a great place to stop if you want to know about the, how the fishing is or just anything else. You know, it's sort of our version of Cheers. How are you, Bob? Good. Yeah, that's a good good explanation there, Ken. Sometimes we do have quite a few people in there. And <laughs> You know, speaking of something to deal with, have you considered that the Mississippi River this year is bipolar? It was extremely high. Now it's extremely low. Coming into the second half of the year, where are we, Bob? Yeah, it's it's extremely low. You got to be careful. Um, I haven't looked exactly. I know we were at five five, probably somewhere around the fives, uh, which is low. Um, that's something we usually run into in late summer. You know, after you get into maybe a, a mild drought. But we did see our drought. We did get a little bit of rain, but that's not going to affect the river. I don't think it's just soaking up. Things are starting to get green again, which is kind of nice around home. But, yeah, river levels are going to stay the same, I think, Ken. I don't think we're going to see anything there. Um, water temps around 80 degrees. Uh, fish are actually biting really good. Um, and a little bit of everything. We, we've got those fry now from the spawns out. Uh, they've hatched. And a lot of bait fish, uh, and the fish are looking to, to chew on them. So. From what I'm getting, I read DNR's report on Thursday afternoon on fishing across the state. There's several species that are still in the good category and a few in the excellent, depending on where you are. So uh, if you want to fish and you want to catch fish, I think uh, the time is still there. It's just sticky hot. I really don't like that. I, I have a hard time deciding whether I hate sticky hot worse than I hate bitter cold. You're not the only one. I see those posts on Facebook a lot. I'm I don't like the sticky hot. I you can dress for the cold, I always say. You can only take so much clothes off legally in Iowa, so well, any any but state probably, but not, yeah, you not just legally, but socially with your mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you can always put you can always put clothes on and we have the uh we we've talked about this in the winter months. There's so much stuff you can do to to prepare for the elements and we still lose people like you to the south in the winter, and I don't blame you. It's it, it's just tough. I don't know the perfect place to live anymore. Um, there's always something, whether you got storms or whether you got heat or extreme cold in the winters. Here's what you do. You get a motorhome, and you park it wherever the weather suits your clothes. Oh, that could work, yeah. yeah. And bring your wallet for your gas for your gas bill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're telling me I know people. The reason I didn't buy a motorhome is six miles a gallon is good. And then the the rates now to park them are almost as high as a motel room. So, oh, um, yeah. yeah. Th that's the way you can spend the good life if you want, I think. You just have to save up for it. And now we're dealing with that smoke, too, from the, the forest fires. So, yeah, I think just weather in general and, and uh, Mother Nature is is trying to figure out what she wants to do this year. I still believe we live in a little piece of paradise on this upper Mississippi. And uh, there are times of day that I love it. I just don't like the extremes of it. And uh, I saw a post today that they're offering some advice to Canada about these fires, pour water on them. <laughs> so maybe, maybe they'll do something that will 
curtail them. But I suppose you, you, you have to say it's drought. And if you say it's drought, you, you could even reach to climate change or definite weather patterns that have been shown in the 20th century as well. You know, so I, I really don't know what's happening. I just believe it's a cyclical thing, and we hope to be able to pass on through it. We'll see. I was going to ask you about this out-of-state fishing that uh, I've done this year, and uh, Larry Eubanks, uh, your stepfather, has done. Larry, I think, is smarter than I am. He said he went to South Dakota, and we got a little piece with him on not only his fishing but on how to fish. Uh, Larry's argument is you get to bring more fish back from South Dakota than you do from uh, Minnesota. Yeah, he's 100% correct. Uh, South Dakota, Iowa, you know, Wisconsin, some of these states, Minnesota is more restrictive, and uh, Canada, obviously, is more restrictive on on what you bring back. And uh, Larry's in the, the good old boy situation where, you know, you're going on a trip, you're going to want to bring some meat back. It's kind of that provider-type geez, I went all the way, drove all the way, spent all this money. I got to bring something back, too. A lot of guys are like that. I, I like that, that too. Nolan and I went down to Little River. We want to, you know, you drive four hours, you want to bring some actual product back to feed the family, to have a fish fry or whatever. And, and they usually go out to South Dakota. Great state. Uh, they're open arms for you, welcoming you. Uh, the area he went to, Webster, South Dakota's Prairie Pothole, area glaciers receded there years ago ken and they made these uh kettle lakes or uh the glaciers weighted down these these kettle lakes and over time the weather changed in the 90s the water table came up and 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 really uh ruined the area for the farmers actually uh they had all this water and the dnr got together and they're just welcoming fishermen in for uh economy reasons some of these smaller towns webster's not too big of a town but you can stay there Paraboons Cafe is where we stay. Uh, Larry's been going out there for 25, 30 years, and uh, it's a really good area. Uh, 30 different lakes within 30 minutes of drive time with uh, the way the glaciers receded and all the water there. So um, not sure on the farming aspect of you, but I know there was some tension there. Losing crop ground and losing stuff in the 90s was tough for the farmers. But the state got together uh, and and, uh, stocked these lakes with walleyes, crappies, and and uh northern and and now they can utilize some of the resources uh for to bring some money into these smaller towns as well i always said when i was doing talk radio that missouri was the show me state and south dakota is the i'll show you state and uh, they tend to fight with themselves uh, for entertainment purposes uh, if not more but uh, that area that you're talking about is similar to an area in the dakotas that the here in the mid-90s uh, they got started getting more rain, and the crop conditions went down. They had to change crops in North Dakota to be able to accomplish still farming it. But that's where Devil's Lake has really come from, which is now a huge lake in North Dakota. But it's there only because there's no place for the water to drain out of until it gets really high. And so it's taken over thousands and thousands of acres since that time. Yeah, and I noticed going out there for years in the same area, there's the bridges. There's no bridges out there. It's just kind of culverts, not even culverts. It's just standing water, and you'll see a lot of heavier loads of, like, rock and stuff. There's no weight limits, no weight restrictions. Heck, you can even drive 80, I think, out there. 
speed limit wise. So things are a little different out there, but uh, pulling a boat, <laughs> truck, you're going out there on a trip and some of the guys are like, guys, slow down. I don't think my tires are even meant to go 80 on, on some of that stuff. So yeah, it's a cool little state. It's about seven and a half, eight hour drive out there from, from our neck of the woods and uh, just a nice trip. And and uh, you're able to bring some stuff back and lots of fish, lots of uh, lakes to choose from and very manageable. Uh, just have to fight the wind some days. But just like Lake Erie, you're going to have a wind day or two. And there's a few state parks you can get in and get sucked out of the wind on some of these uh, uh, smaller lakes uh, around islands and stuff. You can you can get tucked out of the wind on a wind day. Well, I have the pleasure today of talking with Larry Hubanks. You did a pretty darn good fishing trip to South Dakota. I wanted to ask you about why you went to South Dakota and how well you did. Yeah, and uh, I've been going out there for like 24 years um, up in the northeast corner, fishing the glacier lakes up there around Webster. So we've just enjoyed it so much out there, and June is the perfect time to fish out there. Um, The weeds are forming on the shorelines, which brings the walleyes into the shorelines so we do a lot of just casting crankbaits early mornings uh pulling crankbaits uh jigs with uh just worms on them and pulling nightcrawler harnesses also well i want you to tell us a little bit about some of these worm harnesses i have one right here that you pulled out as a illustration what is the value of going to all this effort of two hooks and uh, uh neon look with what appears to be is that a little sinker or float? Uh, it's a floater on there. And, you know, the summertime around here, June is a great month on the Mississippi to work the wing dams and then to work the flats. So, I mean, you can be out there pulling crankbaits. You can be out there just with a jig and a crawler and plastics. Um, I pull a lot of three-ways out there and slip slide three-ways, actually. And uh, so you're looking at a pencil sinker on the bottom, coming off the bottom, about 12 inches up to a three-way. And then you have your trailer where you can run crankbaits out there. The worm harnesses can also tie on out there. They have, they're double-hooked, and you put a big night crawler on. And this is all about trolling and different speeds in the flats in front of the wing dams. And then double crankbaits, too. I mean, you can run the sticks in the middle with a diver on the back. So, I mean, my trailers, are, I usually set them up around five foot, four foot, but some days three foot is the answer. You know, so you have to fluctuate your lengths and everything coming out of the back of that three-way. I mean, it's basically about setting these rigs up at the correct distance, you know, depending on currents and where you're fishing and how much weight you need to stay down on the bottom. Yeah. Now, you call them pencil weights. What do you mean by those? Yeah, pencil sinker. Well, they're a long sinker versus a round sinker yeah. or a walking sinker. These are long pencil sinkers, uh, about the size of a pencil going down. And we have them from all the way from, I think, a half ounce to four ounce. You know, the setup in the time of the year, and right now it's night crawler time up here. You yeah. know, it's June, and and uh, the wing dams have been really good out here in Guttenberg. I haven't heard much of a report out of uh, Dubuque Pool, which is my hometown pool. Uh, but the flats have been really good. So it's all about change and changing and changing. One day you might get them just on jigs and crawlers plastics the next day you might need to pull the worm harnesses so you you always have to be prepared with 
all your supplies and all your tackle with you and just never stop changing around. I mean, there's days that I will cast crankbaits uh, to shorelines and trees as out in South Dakota, and I probably change 15 different colors in an hour until I found a color that would activate the fish. Now, are you then uh, uh, tying those on, or do you have a quick clip that you can switch your crankbaits off from? Yeah, they have the quick snaps that you can use, and they, they all go on different pound tests. You know, the smaller ones, smaller tests to the bigger ones, bigger. But me, myself, I tie on directly. I've always tied everything on directly, and I'm kind of stuck on that thing in my older age. But it's always been good to me, and I've always had great luck with it. Not so. everybody else has 18 fishing poles in a boat with them, though. Yeah, no. I only take four. Four. Four, four or five. Yeah, four or five. But, you know, prepare, being prepared, having some of those poles set up with your different rigs on them before you get out there can be the difference of night and day or getting into a pocket of fish or whatever and being prepared. So. Right. Let me ask you something about what's happening lately. People are catching all kinds of species of fish here in the river. Everything from what they call a dogfish, uh, looks like a bowfin to me, to, yes, to a sturgeon, yep. to others. Why is that happening now? Yeah, I, I think it's just that time of the year. Really, June is just a good productive month for fish. I mean, the bluegills spawn, the walleyes finish spawning or moving back down river, yeah. uh, congregating. The flatheads are still starting, still spawning out there. That's been good. And it has to do with that water temperature, yeah. getting to uh, the water temperature to spawn. Uh, the only thing that's been slow has been the crappie bite for quite a while. But then a couple of my crappie guys came in last week with 25 beautiful crappies, mm. you know, here and there. But that's what they do. They're crappie fishermen. They don't spend much time doing anything else but crappies so but you know i'm not sure how their spawn worked this year for the crappies i think with high water levels before our flood started and then coming down so fast so i'm not sure how that went but uh, the fish are definitely biting i mean yeah. fishing on the bottom with a worm or the bank or in your boat people are catching fish right now and it's been nice bluegills lots of walleyes up here so it's been pretty awesome Larry, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to talk to you and hear your ideas and uh, affirmation that you should just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Oh, yeah, never stop trying. Uh, the only way you can catch fish is if you go out there. So once you're out there, never stop changing your colors around, your rigs around, and keep moving. Thank you, Larry. All right, Ken, always nice talking to you, buddy. Take care. I was able to talk with... Uh, a number of people with either U.S. Fish and Wildlife or uh, the DNR of Iowa, uh, they all came to your uh, Murray's Outdoors on the South Edinburgh under the Big Walleye and scared the hell out of a lot of people who thought that they were afraid. Uh, but uh, Lucas Dever and friends showed up, and I caught some interviews with them, which was very good. And there's a young man along that uh, Lucas is training. And uh, we're going to talk about what his training is to become a conservation officer. Uh, and it's very competitive uh, and remarkable what he's been through to reach this at this point. This is a real goal in life. And uh, Kimberly Miller, our friend down at uh, Little River Lake, she has similar goals. Uh, and it's uh, really hard to be able to qualify to, and go through all of the academies required 
to become a wildlife conservation officer. So it's nice to see a new recruit coming in, and I'm interested to hear what he has to say. This is Ken Root, and uh, Bob, I'm surrounded by law enforcement here, sort of like I was a couple of times in college. But I have uh, Luke Dever over here, who is in uh, Jones County, and what other county? Jackson County. And then this young man is coming into the profession, and your name is? Austin Dernan. Austin? Uh, yes, sir, and I'll be out of southwest Iowa. I'm here on field training with uh, Conservation Officer Dever here out of Jones and Jackson. And how long have you been uh, in the DNR? I swore in full-time as a conservation officer in August 5th, so almost a year now. Yeah, okay. Congratulations to you on that. You like it so far? Yes, sir. About two weeks, and I'll be off on my own. Well, you're trying to learn from these guys, which is good. Uh, so let's go back to uh, how you train somebody new, perhaps, to come into this whole thing. So obviously, Luke, they've figured you're seasoned enough. You can train someone. So what's your philosophy on getting a new person off on the right foot? Well, uh, we have a stringent uh, field training program. You know, so Austin has been through a, a probationary conservation officer academy where he learns you know, the basics of this job. Then he goes to the Iowa Law Enforcement Academy, which he graduated from that here just a few months ago. Uh, you know, that's the same as any police officer in the state of Iowa. Um, so he's through all that. Now he's on his field training portion of this which i believe is around 10 weeks he's very close to the end there's a light at the end of the tunnel for him uh, as far as my philosophy goes you know i'm here to try and teach him maybe more of the things that i had to learn on my own along the way uh, but at the same time i sent him an email before he came i'm like what do you want to work on specifically you know what do you feel like you're lacking at and We've just kind of ran with that and, you know, try and round them the best we can. But, you know, it's also summertime, so it's tough to kind of do the, the wildlife law enforcement stuff where we'd be dealing with that in the fall. But I'm not worried about that with him. Austin, background here of you and uh, perhaps for other people who consider following the same path you do, uh, what do you come from as a background and uh, have you been involved in the outdoor and exor uh, exercises such as hunting and fishing in the past? And lots of conservation officers, everyone takes a little bit different approach. Myself, I grew up hunting and fishing like most other guys did the same. Out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps, so I went that route, which was a little different than some guys. Did four years in the Marine Corps, got out. I was living in North Carolina, worked for North Carolina State Parks for a short while. Um, decided I was going to move home. Um, started attending Iowa State University. Um, ended up getting my bachelor's degree in animal ecology, and while I was doing that, uh, I was turning wrenches for money, and then in the summers I was a seasonal water patrol officer uh, for the Iowa DNR. Um, so I did that for a couple summers, and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door and was, was able to meet lots of officers, work with them, and I guess some of them had something good to say about me because so, they hired me full-time when I applied. So, Well, you know, I looked at you, and you, you don't try to profile people, but you do, and I thought, you look like you're a bit military. You look, I didn't know you're a Marine, but you look like you've been military. And uh, maybe it's the fitness, maybe it's the jaw, I don't know. But I would say that is a good base to come from to move into law enforcement or to move into DNR position. Sure, well, hopefully that doesn't go straight to my head. Um, no, I think it does. You learn a little bit of discipline. I think every branch is like that. Um, learn a little discipline. It kind of just helps you talk to people. And when you get in those uncomfortable situations, it helps you work through them, which is um, the big probably the biggest part about law enforcement is just problem solving on the fly and treating people with respect. Well, 
that to me is a real issue today when the news covers so many of these things in general law enforcement that really give everybody a pause. And I don't know how you guys approach it, but professionalism seems to me the only way you possibly can know how you should react and have the demeanor to react the way, right way at the right time. Yeah, I'm like Austin said, treating people with respect. You know, they teach that at, sco- at the school age level. Treat everybody else how you want to be treated. If you go by that, ninety nine percent of the time, you're not going to have issues with people. That's what I found, and I've just I've been more or less a straight shooter with everybody, and tell kind of tell you like it is. It's kind of how I've always dealt with stuff, and it's worked for me. I mean, everybody else may be a little different, but that's just how it's gone for me. Well, Austin, I hope you never find yourself in a really tough position, but I wish you well, and uh, Southwest Iowa, by golly, is lucky to have you. Well, thank you, sir, and it's good talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I can attest to that personally, and it is. It's a highly competitive market. Uh, There's a lot of fishermen out there. Iowa's limited on resources and what they offer, And, and if you talk to some of the game wardens or conservation officers, and you talk to them from what they're in charge of now, from what they were in charge of in the 80s, 70s. Uh, I believe there's some. there's been some cuts. Maybe we could talk with them about that. They're in charge of a lot more. A lot more deer, a lot more of this, uh, a lot more numbers of stuff. So they're in charge of a lot more and have less resources. Now, I said that it was highly competitive and it was uh, a struggle to accomplish this. Did you, in your earlier life, uh, manage to qualify all the way through in that area? Yeah, yeah. Um, Depending on what entity you're in, whether it's a city, a state, or a county, sometimes the public will get confused, and they'll just lump everybody in as uh, the DNR, you know. And we talked about this, whether you're federal. It's who's paying your your wage, for the most part, and, and what you're in charge of. But there's federal, there's state, there's county. There's city park rangers, uh, game wardens, conservation uh, and wildlife guys. Um, but either either any of those, um, you're, if you have a dream to do it, you can get in somewhere. Um, but it is. It takes some time. It takes uh, seasonal work. It takes it takes volunteering, which is hard to uh, get through a young person's head. But if you can get some volunteer experience and and some of that, and hopefully he's talking about a little bit of that. Um, just starting at a younger age, um, Boy Scouts, knowing stuff, knowing the laws, fishing, hunting, uh, all that stuff will get you get you a good start. Well, this young man volunteered to be a Marine. That would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Ooh, that's a good. That's a really good start. Get through that and 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 serve and, and do that. You have a really good start and a really good chance, a really good base. Well, Bob, we have talked about everything except fishing. So let's wind up once again of you telling us what's biting in pools 10 and 11. Ken, we're on the last couple of days of that walleye challenge, too, with the state. Um, we're getting some walleyes and saugers reported, even though that's tough. Walleye wing dams, June. Holy cow, are we selling diving crankbaits? Um, we're not selling them because they're, they're losing them on fish, though. They're losing them on the rocks of the wing dams. They're casting diving crankbaits, flicker shads, shad wraps. Salmo, Hornets, uh, those are just a few of the brands that we're going through. We had to fill the whole shelf up. So casting into wing dams, got to be careful. Lots of rocks. Um, learn where those wing dams are. Also, when you're when you're in a boat, learn where those wing dams are. You don't want to goof up your lower unit. Walleye bites, uh, I would say average. 
right now. Everything's feeding on that fry, feeding on bait fish, so water temps up there in the 80s. Catfish is really hot right now. Bluegill still really hot right now. Um, Jamie's at the landing is a good sample size for that. You can follow him on Facebook and just see the photos. That's been pretty good. Um, perch, a few perch, not not anything crazy. The one thing that I have learned here the last week or 10 days is those crappies are starting to come. If you want to work for crappies, um, they're starting to get pretty hungry. They are having to feed up in the baits there. So we are starting to see numbers of crappies now, which if anybody's wanting to do that, that's kind of a nice bite. And then all your rougher fish or your, your river fish, your sheephead, your carp, uh, all that stuff. You want to take the kids out and do that. That's a blast this time of year once the water temps about 80 degrees. So overall, a uh, really good report for the river this last week. Just water levels are down and be careful and be safe out there. Is there any truth to the rumor that you are starting an underwater lure salvage and that Benny has got <laughs> this diving suit and you've got him walking around those wing dams picking them off of there? They joke, they joke about that up at the dam that we have some uh, – bed springs or whatever like a mattress spring under there and then then we go retrieve them and repackage them that may have happened years and years and years ago but ah kids don't want to work anymore that would be way too much work to even go and do that so uh no but if you wanted to i i know there's there's hundreds of them out there just the lures out there on the rocks but that's where those fish are ken and and it's just a kind of a risk reward feature uh, coming up is the 4th of July, too, Ken. Uh, lots of traffic. So we want everybody to be safe. Have all your equipment. We have all that. Life jackets, fire extinguishers, uh, whistles for your boat, um, PF, uh, your flotation device, your Type 4 throwable that you need on your boat. Uh, because those gate wardens we're talking to this weekend, one of the busiest weekends for them, they're going to be out full-fledged, making sure everybody's safe, making sure you have our equipment. So, Let's make sure we have that and everybody has a good, safe 4th of July week and weekend. Bob Urban with Murray Outdoors on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye. Bob, have a great 4th of July. I'll talk to you in a week, and we're going to do the show just as normal. A week from now, we'll just be a little further apart. Yeah, thanks, Ken.